0: To Trek Companion. This is episode 172. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar.
1: I'm Stephen Embry.
0: And today we are discussing the original series, third season episodes, Day of the Dove. For the world is hollow, and I have touched the sky and the Tholian web. Here we go. <coughs>
1: Day of the Dove, Season 3, Episode 7, Production Code 066. Original air date, November 1st, 1968. Directed by Marvin J. Chomsky, written by Jerome Bixby. Music composed by Fred Steiner. Guest cast include Michael Ansara as Kang, Susan Howard as Mara, David L. Ross as Lieutenant
2: Johnson, and Mark Tobin as Klingon. The Enterprise responds to a distress call from a human colony on Beta-12A but on arrival find no signs of any type of inhabited settlement. Kirk and Chekhov being down to investigate further. A few moments later, they are found and surrounded by Klingons who have transported to the surface from their own orbiting vessel. Commander Kang accuses the Enterprise crew of firing upon their vessel and demands they surrender immediately.
0: In the heart, in the head, I won't stay dead. Next time I'll do the same to you, I'll kill
1: you.
2: And it goes on and on, the good old game of war, pawn against pawn
1: stopping the bad guys.
0: While somewhere, some thing sits back and laughs and starts it all over again. Day of the Dove. I remember this episode for two reasons. One, at the very end, when Kirk and Kang are laughing. (laughs) That's very memorable for some reason. And two, this is the episode where Kirk carries Chuck off like a baby <laughs> <laughs> That always makes me laugh every time he carries him in sick bay and <laughs> uh. Steve, what are your first thoughts on day of the dove? How do you how well did you remember do you remember this one?
1: Yeah, I remember it pretty well, especially for a third season episode. Um I think yeah, there's a number of reasons. I, I too I too remember that image of them laughing together at the end and uh also of course um you know, with the Klingons and uh with Kang and he was in the you know, one of the 3 in the Deep Space 9, ep- you know, later on there. Um uh, so I remember that. Um also there 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 tends to be a, I don't know, just to, for me a lot of relatively memorable just scenarios and scenes things like you know everyone fighting with swords and whatnot and how no one stayed dead and everyone starts going crazy i mean in in a way it's that's another one of these that has has a little bit of a hodgepodge of things we've seen the whole uh, you know something that makes people go mad and that kind of thing but you also have this um notion of, of being just feeding on Violent tendencies, which again we've sort of seen before. It's kind of just a mix and match of this kind of stuff. And uh, Chekhov being really disturbing, like he's going to, um, you know, assault the Klingon woman. That was memorable and disturbing. Yeah, I almost wonder if that
0: scene. I don't know. Do you think that scene maybe goes too far?
1: I don't know. It's it certainly. I mean, I, I guess it. I guess the the problem with it is it makes you question. You know, you you don't you don't fully know what's Chekhov and what's just controlling him and doing things like why is that manifests itself in him as wanting to potentially sexually assault somebody versus just kill people and stuff, and so it makes you it makes you question his motivations and that creature whatever it is
0: the life form is just instigating hate uh then i think that's a very bad thing for chekhov's character if he gets mad right. somehow he goes there but we know there's a little bit more to it right because it's making him think he has a dead yeah, true. sibling so mm-hmm. there there's a there's an escape uh kind of an out clause for this but it, i do always feel like that scene maybe it just goes a little bit too far maybe mm-hmm. uh, yeah, i don't I know i wonder you know how that scene has changed in time, like, well, what did it feel like then versus what it feels like now? Mm. Was it worse or or more better then? I I don't know. Uh, Adam, some of your first thoughts here.
2: Um, day of the dove. I like this episode. It has um, it has a lot of flaws in it. Um, there's a lot of holes in the plot, and it's kind of you know kind of hodgepodge put together. But it's entertaining. I agree with a lot with, um, what, what Steve said, you know, there's a lot of this that we've seen before a creature, you know, an alien being coming in and manipulating the crew. Um, you know, the differences, you know, you get, um, Klingon, obviously the Klingons and Federation going against each other with swords. It's kind of, um, swashbuckler kind of has a feel like that, you know, pirates fighting that kind of stuff. So there's plenty of action in it. Um, um, Kang is great. He's a great commander, so that's probably why they brought him back for DS9 because he's he's probably one of the the memorable Klingons obviously in this episode. Um like I said there's a, there's a lot I was entertained. There's a lot of problems that I I kind of fall found with the plot. I'm like, you know, one thing, you know, the 400 crew members trapped Somewhere, but obviously, you know, they can get to engineering. They can get to the bridge. Where are all these four hundred crew members trapped? And why isn't this entity, you know, making them fight? Why is it just the um, you know, forty-some odd Klingons and um, Federations on the other side? But, and you know, I guess they just...
0: well, I think that is supposed to be because it wants it wants the sides to be perfectly even. Spock says something about there are thirty-eight humans and thirty-eight Klingons, even forces that that are fighting.
2: No, but I mean, but even on the colony, obviously, this creature. Had something to do. I mean, it insinuates that this creature had something to do with the destruction of the colony. Um,
0: yeah, the, I I kind of also wondered. They they almost implied. Does this colony? Did this colony ever exist? Maybe this concept was implanted in the possibly, yeah. Federation crew's heads just to get him there. or Maybe I don't know. Because it doesn't look like there ever was a colony there when they get there. Yeah, it right? wasn't
2: really. Yeah, because they're like, oh, there's nothing. There's no signs of a, any inhabitable settlement
0: i think i felt like like you guys about this episode I, I i i like it especially for a season 3 episode it has enough memorable stuff in it um just the general concept of this group of rogue klingons you know running squaring off against our crew on the enterprise is is that concept is fun and memorable but uh, the final analysis is probably that everything that happens in this episode is just a variation on something we've seen before, which kind of, in, in its own way, makes it forgettable. You know, it's hard for me to remember individual things in this because I just confuse them with other episodes. But the but the big picture on this one, I think, is solid and enjoyable.
2: I think um. One of the scenes I liked was between Scotty and um, Spock, you know, when Spock started getting irritated and you, you see, you know, Scotty obviously, you know, crossing the line and being pretty much racist to, you know, Spock. Um, that was an intense scene for me in this, this episode as well. Because you don't normally see, you know, besides, you know, McCoy or, or Kirk, you don't, you know, we talked about Chekhov earlier, you don't really see like um, the other characters have like these these stronger scenes. Or they're an, either they're an antagonist like um, Chekhov was, and even Scotty was, where you know he was um, pushing Spock to the to his limits.
0: I really like Michael and sara's Kang. You know, I I really like him playing at Klingon. He's he's just got the coolest voice ever. Mm-hmm. It's got a real even just like the way he just stands there leaning up against a a bulkhead or something in in engineering. Uh, I like him. I he's he's got a lot of charisma and uh brings a lot to any character that he plays.
2: It kind of reminded me of Khan, just a little bit, his presence, you know. Just yeah, there's bit. a
0: little bit of that whole episode. You know, when we talk about so many things in this episode are things we feel like we've seen before. Uh, just having this rogue crew uh, trying to take over the Enterprise, uh, that certainly reminded me of Space Seed. And, you know, the, he's got his girl, which uh, I believe this is the only time we see female Klingons in the original series. Um, certainly n- notable. I always I remember thinking, uh, you know, so much of, of season three's problems were because they had less money. Uh, the, the way they had to tell the stories had to be done for less money and frequently had to be done faster just to save money. Somehow that, this episode has like the perfect manifestation of that to me is when they're, they're on the bridge and King and, and the Klingons down in engineering uh, remove power and life support of the bridge. So it's an opportunity for them to like turn off a bunch of the lights on the bridge. <laughs> and it always just makes me think, oh, look at that. They didn't have enough money to pay for the lights. <laughs> you know, how cheaply can we do this? Right. That's somehow how it always feels to me. I guess one of the other things that, that holds it back a little bit is that the the alien is so nondescript, they don't, you don't really find anything out about it. All we do, we kick it off by laughing, but I mean, you don't kick it off the ship, I mean. But there's no... You don't remember this episode for it because it's just a little piece of light, you know? Right, right. I always felt like that maybe holds it back a bit. This episode hasn't really changed for you guys in the way you see it? I don't I don't think so, no. No, no. That scene that scene with uh, Chekhov that I said th- I I feel like maybe gone has gone goes a little too far. I certainly don't remember thinking that when I was younger. I don't even think I registered when I was younger.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think I it struck me as um dangerous and severe back then. I don't know like he was just, I don't know. Probably, probably when I was younger, I just thought, oh, he's he's hitting on her or something. You know, I don't know. And he's gone didn't, crazy. I didn't think of him. Yeah. He needs he needs Kirk to carry
0: him like a baby.
2: <laughs> <laughs> baby Chekov.
0: Yeah, yeah. What's this episode about, guys?
2: Um. Well, it's the you know you kind of get into the um, the dangers of hate and wrath going to extreme will take you you know them kind of make you go you know you're you can look off che- look at Chekhov um why they why he had this imaginary brother but you can kind of see vengeance or hatred um will cause you to go crazy you know it's um there's kind of that in there and being able to you know it takes you beyond logic is kind of what I kind of saw in it
1: yeah I think that the basically how they ward it off by being jovial or whatever i think is it's kind of the message of you know coming coming together with your apparent enemy and and good feeling whatever it, it's a little it's a little shallow in that sense you know but i think the message is that like you said the dangers of these of these things of
2: uh, negative feelings it, 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 yeah it's
1: just it just it just blows up and in the end it doesn't even make any sense kind of like Chekhov, his, that whole thing which is manufactured well ultimately in these kind of situations oftentimes people even forget what they started the whole fight about anyway you know everyone just just hate and why they hate yeah and so ultimately that that's the enemy is are those kind of feelings and those kinds of actions and uh overcoming that through
2: the enemy within you new know, cooperation
1: yeah yeah so
0: all right so a above average third season episode. Yeah. yeah. But probably average for the first two seasons. Probably, uh...
1: yeah.
0: Let's do six degrees for Day of the Dove. Steve? Mm-hmm. Michael Ansara plays Kang, the Klingon that ends up having a laugh with Kirk. Name the 30th anniversary episode of Voyager where Ansara reprised his role as Kang.
1: Mm. Right. Um, gosh...
2: Wow, an episode question I actually know.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Pressure's on, Steve. Yeah, I definitely remember it. Um, For some reason, I'm just having trouble um, coming up with it. Yeah, it's just not coming to me. Adam?
2: Is it Flashback?
0: You are correct. Hmm. Adam, I couldn't help but ask this. Sorry, folks. Not really Star Trek. Uh, Name the Batman the Animated Series character that and Sarah voiced for nearly two decades to complete perfection, and uh, nobody else should ever bother doing the voice because he was so perfect.
2: Was it um, was it Freeze?
0: You're correct, Mr. Freeze. Uh, Adam has
1: two. Moving on. <whistles> For The World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky, Season 3, Episode 8, Production Code 065. Original air date, November 8th, 1968. Directed by Tony Leader. written by Rick Vollertz. Music composed by George Dunning. Guest cast include Kate Woodville as Natira, Byron Morrow as Admiral Westervelt, and John Warmer as Old Man. <laughs>
2: Dr. McCoy discovers he has a rare incurable disease, and has only one year to live. Meanwhile, the Enterprise is targeted by ballistic missiles, but they easily destroy the primitive weapons. Tracing their point of origin to a large asteroid, they find the asteroid is on course to collide with a heavily populated planet, daron V within a year, which would be catastrophic. They scan the asteroid and find it has a breathable internal atmosphere. Captain Kirk, Spock, and Dr. McCoy transport, transport over to investigate. I hope you men of
0: space of, of other worlds hold truth as dear as we do. We do. I wish you to stay here, on Yonada
2: as my mate.
0: Adam, please uh, kick us off on this one.
2: The world is hollow. Um, it's a Dr. McCoy episode. Actually, you know, uh, you know, obviously, you know, 98% of these episodes are are, k- are Kirk um, heavily episodes. Um, the next two will not be. So that's um, two in a row that that are not going to be Kirk dominated episodes. Um. So um. You know, it's DeForest Kelly, He's um. He's we all love him. He's a great actor, and he gets to k- kind of shine in this in this this episode um a lot of interesting concepts here you know um giving mccoy a terminal disease you know he has a year to live it's it's interesting you know you see the um you see you know the the concern on kirk and kirk's face and you know later on um spock when he you know touches his arm you know their genuine concern for him um um the asteroid concept with um the civilization that dies and they put them all aboard this asteroid and it's traveling across the the galaxy to find a new planet that's a that's a cool um scientific to me that's kind of a cool scientific um or science fiction um story This, line, this whole know?
0: time i feel a big butt coming on
2: <laughs> um no no i, I don't have a okay. butt um, um there's not right. a whole butt i mean um i guess the only if if you want me to say the things that i thought maybe we were wrong with it's it's a little bit slow slow paced um it's a little more melodrama than it is action. You know, the Day of the Dove was kind of an action episode. This one's a little more, you know, melodrama. You know, you have the love, you know, interest that McCoy, you know, he fa- I think he genuinely falls in love with this, um, the, the woman who's who's the leader of this civilization. And you kind of have this love story between the two of them. And it's, I, I like that because you don't really get McCoy, you know, you know he kind of gets to shine here, and uh, I enjoyed the scenes that he had in there, and you know, kind of him trying to figure out he wants to be happy in the last year of his life. Um, so it's a interesting. Like I said, it's it's a little slow paced. It didn't ruin it for me, but it, this isn't that. This isn't like the last episode. The last episode's an action episode where men are fighting with swords and swashbuckling. This one's kind of more of um, you know, a love story between McCoy and I'm sorry, I can't remember the character's name, but yeah.
1: Oh no, Tintoria.
0: Steve some of your first thoughts
1: yeah so I, I definitely like that that uh, McCoy is is featured I think that's cool I mean it's it, like like you said it's very rare to for anyone else to be featured at all and and it and it kind of shows how to uh, force Kelly how well you know how personable he makes McCoy and likable and interesting you know he's so he's so believable and affable and you know you just really like the guy and he's saying oh you know he's got a chance you know all these things about yeah I've lived a lonely life and now he's got a chance to have some companionship and all that all that's kind of feel good um and uh, I think all that's good um it's, you know there's obviously some very convenient things here and stuff I mean it's obviously he gets the disease and ends up on a place and it's He's uh, in a place that has a great medical knowledge and then it all wraps up really fast. And I mean, if this, if this kind of thing would be done today, you know, you'd like to think that there'd be an arc where he's with this civilization for a while and then something, some other events happen and then maybe he gets cured or doesn't or whatever. But um, it's but I, I like how he's featured. Now, I, I like that. This, I like that. I like this episode mostly for that. Do you think he would have uh stayed if he had not had the disease
2: um, I don't know that's the hypothetical I mean you know that's the way it was written, maybe not maybe.
1: yeah i don't I don't know you know I kind of think maybe not, but mostly because I don't think he would have fallen in love if it wasn't for the disease you know I think sometimes events uh bring about certain um perspectives, you know, and if everything was just business as usual. He probably would have been more interested in the, um, I mean, we don't know, but he probably would have been more interested in that, oh, this is a, a Fabrini civilization, and they have great medical knowledge, and that's that's the focus here, and, uh, you know, I'm going to concentrate on that aspect of things or whatever, but, yeah, it's hard to say.
2: Do you think this episode would have been maybe a little, so they kind of had a similar episode not too long ago, you know, when Kirk's on the, the planet, and he's with the natives, and Spock mm-hmm. has to go back to yeah. trial to save the asteroid. Um, I was thinking, well, maybe this would have been a little bit better if they had there was like a long period of time where McCoy was on the asteroid, and but then that would have kind of been copycatting the episode that we just saw not too long ago. Um, so
1: maybe they just dump them in together. Maybe we just, they should like put him on the asteroid that's going to run into the planet, and they both <laughs> could have their moment and just yeah. collapse it all into one big thing. You know,
2: <laughs> it's like a two-parter. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Spock, he'd be alone. He'd be alone on the Enterprise by himself.
0: This episode to me is emblematic of my love-hate relationship with season three because it's hard to dislike it whenever the writers are trying things like a McCoy, you know, featured episode or the next one being, you know, a Mm -hmm. Spock featured episode. And you definitely feel like there was no way they were doing that. They were even going to try that in the first couple seasons. You know, it's some of these other things Mm -hmm. that have kind of emboldened them to feel like they can do this. So in, in some ways, it's it's the very same things that hold a lot of season three back, which make them feel like they can take certain other risks. And I certainly agree with you guys that I love that we get a McCoy episode. I, I love that we really get some character stuff with him, and it is great to see him. I mean, I, we've had episodes recently where he had like like where he got to knock somebody out and you're like and I was commenting on how great that was. And here we have an entire episode, right? So that is that is wonderful. But I do at the same time definitely have a lot of problems with this episode. I think it has pacing issues, you know, I think it's it's you know, it kind of goes in circles sets-wise and it's it feels very small, I don't know. Um these aren't things that make me hate it, but
2: yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, like I said earlier, it's it's slow-paced. It kind of it kind of drags here and there, for sure.
0: I think Day of the Dove does what it's trying to do overall more effectively than this episode does what it's trying to do, I guess is another way to put it. I think this this scene where she says to McCoy, stay here as my mate, and McCoy <laughs> is <his laughs> responding. He's like, he's going, hmm. You know, he's not hmm. <laughs> okay, sure this every day. Yeah. Uh... Oh, I just have to say this. So, so McCoy gets the instrument of obedience, and he also gets a chip in his head so the oracle can, can keep watch over him. <laughs> uh, that was a kind of a marriage joke, I suppose. <laughs> my wife doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can, <laughs> I can make that joke. Uh... <laughs> there are so many uh, concepts that are cool, just like you said at the beginning. Adam, I love this idea of this generational ship where the people don't realize they're on a ship either because they've forgotten it over the centuries or maybe it was by design they never knew. And I suppose there's more original things in this episode. We were talking about it during Day of the Dove. Well, everything in here we feel like we've seen before. There there are things in this episode where I feel like we have not seen them. Even just these little references to oh these are descendants of Fabrini you know they're, they're references to these other civilizations and uh that the, that the Federation is apparently aware of um all that stuff is is fun and interesting. you guys think um D Kelly pulls this this romantic thing off
1: yeah, I think he i think it makes it works for his character i think yeah i think I think it, I think it's done right. Yeah. For who he is, I, it was believable to me.
2: Uh, yeah, and they kind of they ended it. I, I think he kind I think he did have maybe he, we were talking about earlier. He would he have done this if he wasn't um you know sick. But I think he really did have true true feelings for this um character. You know they started off early in the episode. You know they both made eye contact right in the right in that early fight scene before he got knocked out. So I do believe that he beyond his illness, I do believe that he had um strong feelings for this woman um and you know what we were talking about the a few you know a few episodes back with Kirk when you know his love you know she dies in this episode you know they have that scene where you know she talks about this is who you are you you want to you're you're medicine, you want to cure people and you want you know you need to do that and I need to do this and it was a believable scene where they parted ways and it it kind of made sense to me you know she has to do this and he has to do do that and so
0: Whenever it's clear that, what's her name, Natiri? Um, whenever it's clear that maybe she's interested in McCoy, did you guys get the sense that Kirk was annoyed? <laughs> or <the> at <laughs> the very least just confused?
2: Surprised maybe a little. Yeah.
0: Like, mm-hmm. do you not see me, woman?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, a, oh, hold on, let me introduce myself. You know, like steps in.
2: But The, the funny thing about yeah. it is is Kirk still had the physical scene with her. At the end, you know, where he's grabbing her, bringing her. You
0: must listen to me. Believe me. I think this is the only episode that ends with Kirk promising McCoy a hot date. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. What's this one about, gentlemen?
2: Well, this episode is, um, you know, I wouldn't call it like, um, I wouldn't call it like a near-death experience where you have a near-death experience and you um, awaken and see life in a different way. But it's kind of similar to this. You know, McCoy is faced with his. He's faced with his morality and, you know, he examines, you know, he's able to kind of examine his life and what he's done and where he wants to, wants to go. So um, it's, it's kind of subtle in this episode, but that's kind of what I kind of saw on that. It's like taking perspective of your life and kind of finding out what's important to you and, and um going after that in your life, you know, and in the end for, for McCoy and his wife, it was about, This is, these are the people that they are. She's the leader of their people and she has to go to do that. And he is a, he's a a doctor and he has to go and, and take care of people and help cure people. And it's kind of finding your way in life.
1: I, I agree with that. I think it's, as we kind of alluded to, it's, it's that sometimes events happen that, you know, you know, it gives you a different perspective and you reprioritize things in your life. Um, and it's not a simple thing. It's means something different for everybody. And it's not always a matter of just pursue, you know, pursue the love option over the career option or whatever else too. But you got to like, try to, re- you know, uh, be uh, cognizant of what's going on inside and, and reflective enough to understand what your priorities are. Don't just like keep going about your business, you know, take time to realize what, what could be important. And Seize the moment it's that kind of thing you think this is a good episode
2: it's a it's it's an average episode I liked it but i, I it's good for three let's put it that way
1: yeah I mean I think it's i think it's in the zone of the first one of day of the dove as well i mean it might be a notch below or something of a little bit or a partial notch below, but I think it's yeah
0: all right six degrees for- for, for The World is Hollow, and I have touched the sky. I think this might be the longest episode title. At I,
1: think, least... I think so. Yeah. Uh,
0: let's see. Adam has two. And last time, I believe, Steve went first. Yes. Uh, Adam, are you going first or second? I go first. John Lormer plays the old man that enjoys reciting episode titles. He played Dr. Theodore Haskins in this epi- in the episodes The Cage and The Menagerie as one of the human crash survivors. On what planet, I'm really going to get you guys with these, I'm trying here, what was the name of the planet in the cage in the menagerie?
2: Uh, oh my goodness. It was forbidden. I know that. That is true. <laughs> um, you know what, I, I honestly don't remember.
1: Was it uh, Talos four? You are correct, Talos
0: four. Steve? Uh, he also played Tamar in The Return of the Archons. Tamar was an inhabitant of what planet? Now this
1: is a hard one. I would not have gotten this. No way. Mm. Yeah, I definitely can see the... I can visualize it. Know which one you're talking about. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to come up with this. and It'll sound familiar once you say it, but I'm not going to come up with that one.
0: Adam? I don't know it. Beta 3. Yeah, I mean,
2: that's funny. I just said beta went four in the previous um, episode.
1: Steve has one, Adam has two. Moving on. The Tholian Web, Season 3, Episode 9, Production Code 064, Original Air Date November 15, 1968. Directed by Herb Wallerstein, written by Judy Burns and Chet Richards, music composed by Fred Steiner. Guest cast include Sean Morgan as Lieutenant O'Neill, Barbara Babcock as Voice of Loskeen, Paul Baxley as Defiant Captain, Frank Da Vinci as Lieutenant Brent, Robert Blo- Blaver as Crazed Engineer, J.D. Jones as Dizzy Engineer, Lou Elias as Crazed Crewman, William Blackburn as Lieutenant Hadley,
2: and Roger the, way is Lieutenant Limley. the Enterprise enters an uncharted region of space while searching for her sister ship, the USS Defiant, which disappeared three weeks prior. Their sensors detect dimensional fractures in the area of space, which are draining power from all systems. They, defi- they find the Defiant adrift and Captain Kirk, First Officer Spock, Dr. McCoy, and Ensign Chekhov transport across using environmental suits for protection. Aboard the Defiant, they find the crew is dead, apparently having killed each other in the midst of a mutiny. The other ship is interspatially trapped. It should reappear in one hour and 53 minutes. We request you stand by until then. Very well, Enterprise. In the interest of interstellar amity, we will wait precisely one hour and
0: 53 minutes. But be correct. We do not tolerate deceit. The Tholian web. I have a note in here, but halfway down where I wrote Tholians begin their web creation, Mm -hmm. and reading it now, of course, I just have this image of the Tholian (laughs) like programming HTML, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) hollering at his buddies, check out my website,
2: Uh yeah, yeah, Squarespace.
0: (laughs) Uh, Let's see, Adam. Yes. How did the Tholian web? Ensnare you.
2: You know, I think I like this episode more now than in the past. Um, and I'm going to state the first obvious thing you know, the Defiant. We, you know, this the Defiant ends up being in, um, we find out where the Defiant ends up in the um, Enterprise series. So that's kind of cool. Um, but obviously, this episode is far different than any, just about any other episode that you will see in the original series because. Um, William Shatner is barely in it. Um, this is a Spock, um, McCoy episode and, um, their scenes are very dramatic. They're very hostile. Um, they're sympathetic. Um, every one of their scenes that they had together, I, I enjoyed thoroughly. Even when I thought McCoy was kind of going overboard, um, I, I enjoyed every one of these scenes. So those were, those were my, my favorite things about this episode. Um, it's also um, it's well paced. It's kind of got some you know it's got some suspense to it. They have to find the captain. They have to get out of this web. Um, um, it's very yeah. I was I was I really I really enjoyed it to be to be honest with you for many different reasons. Um, the ones I just named are the most.
0: Yeah, this has got to be the least amount that Kirk is in an episode, right? Yeah, I would think, I would say so. I'm sure, it'd by be. a long shot.
2: I mean, he's in the beginning and then the end. And other than that, you don't see him anywhere in the in the middle.
0: I think if this script had had come up in the first season, uh, Shatner would have been like, "No." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. By the season three, at this point, they probably knew they weren't. that odds of them coming back weren't very big, and you know, probably just didn't care. But yeah, that's certainly what makes it unique. The fact that it's that it's not terrible when he's not featured it's still the entire episode is about them kind of looking for him for the most part. Right. In the same way that, you know, Spock is present in the search for Spock, you know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Steve, uh, your first thoughts here.
1: Yeah, I think it's, um, it's kind of iconic because it's kind of a, uh, what's one of these that, uh, I don't know. I think it's one of these kind of, uh, Star Trek canon lore things, you know, where like, Big fans appreciated more because somehow, the even before we knew where the Defiant went, you know, like in uh, the Enterprise um, mirror episodes in the fourth season, I think it was one of those that every everyone just could picture, you know, the Tholian web and the how it snared and the way the ships looked and the odd way the the aliens looked and all this kind of stuff. Was yes, just the,
0: it's very visual. This episode,
1: yeah, and just the whole eeriness of cap the captain appearing and you know and people are flipping out in different ways about it and so on and it's just it's kind of it's kind of spooky know it's one of these it's that's kind of uh I don't know, it, it's 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 kind of I don't know what it's called scary but it's it, you know you imagine me on the ship when this image of the the allegedly dead captain keeps appearing and people are kind of losing it and stuff and it's and it's just
2: you could go crazy at any second
1: yeah yeah i do think you know you talk about this i mean i do like how you know we feature other characters and of course spock and mccoy are always good together and it is kind of um it is aggravating when mccoy goes so nuts you know at some point that to me the character crosses a line in this complete lack of respect for spock and command and 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 in his role in, in in a way that I don't even understand why it's justified. You know what I mean? And, and, it and it seems like
0: they're just pushing it so that they can have that resolution after they watch the Kirk tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I totally agree. It's it totally it's just it's it's screwed up and it's not. McCoy goes farther than you expect or he should, but never this far. And it's like one scene that they, they seem to fix it, and then the very next scene it just repeats.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, I think by that time um, McCoy was going crazy. I think McCoy was justified in the beginning by questioning Spock because he did put the he did put the ship in, in danger. Um, he did put the ship and the crew in danger. He, you know, he he rightly pointed out to Spock that you know we need to get out of here because this isn't good. So I think early on he was justified in, um, in criticizing, um, Spock and, and, but it did go a little bit too far. I think right before they, they watched the captain's message. It went a little bit too far. Mm hmm. But I still enjoyed the scenes.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I and I think though, like, yeah, since people are kind of losing it, maybe if they'd have pushed it more, like, where McCoy was definitely edgy because of what was going on and what the effect on him, and that was made clear, then it would have been a more more acceptable or something. But otherwise, it's just kind of like, it, and that's also kind of indicative of this of the series where hard there there are very few character arcs that. Last throughout the whole series right you know they make it so episodic that they don't they don't want it to be that way but of course we know otherwise and we're thinking good grief you know we have these bonding moments for now, for the last two and a half years and here this this complete disrespect and meanness and so on you know
2: yeah the only thing that i thought was weird it was the uh, memorial scene right in the middle of the episode you know they're they're being ensnared in this web there's craziness going on it didn't seem yeah, it seemed kind totally of like okay let's time. Yeah, let's yeah. let's have a memorial right in the middle of all this craziness. Mhm. seemed same kind of out of place.
0: Right. Right. Talking about uh this being a visual episode, you listed some of the stuff, Steve. Another thing, I love the new suits, the space suits. Yeah, right. yeah. I think they're cool.
1: I think they hold totally hold up. Like well, love those name badges too, you know, right under the neck. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Been better if they had like, stickers, hello, my name is, you know. <laughs> 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 uh-huh.
2: I think we can all agree that Chekhov didn't have a good couple episodes in this round. Right. It's kind of a rough few episodes for Ensign Chekhov.
0: The, this episode, of course, has the time Honor tradition of going on to the other ship that is just like your ship with a different <laughs> name to save money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I actually think uh, when they're walking around the Defiant and there's all those dead crew people everywhere, I think that's... And, the, and they're still in their suits. Uh, I think th- I've always thought that was really creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a memorable bit. It's funky that you don't have. I mean, the Defiant isn't actually in this episode very much. It's, it's yeah. very brief. Um, I get a little bit confused near the end, like how the Enterprise gets out of the Thelian web. They just kind of interface and get lucky that they go through it. Yeah, Something I was confused like by that. that too. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't any action of their own, because I think that maybe holds the episode back a little bit. Like,
2: it's almost like they made a space jump, not you know.
0: Like I feel like they should have had more um, involvement in the solution and been more of a part of it, and not just.
1: Right. Yeah. Generally speaking, the the tech in this episode is is questionable. At least, you know, it's just kind of they just ma- they just make it work, you know. You don't, it doesn't really. Why do they have him tethered around and the whole time anyway? And then what? When is it that it's dangerous? What they're doing, and when is it not that they keep him or they they lost him or you know whatever? It, it, it's all just made up to fit it entirely, which it always is, but this it just more transparent than usual or something.
0: The Tholians are cool. I I always remembered how they looked. Mm-hmm. And of course, they kind of brought that back and we took a little farther in Enterprise, but. Uh, they're, it's cool when they can it comes on the screen there. Yeah. So I think this is the first, if not the only time, we see Uhura's quarters?
1: Does that sound right? Maybe so. Maybe so. I don't recall another example offhand.
0: She's wearing that cool 60s gown. Yeah, yeah.
2: Also, I mean, it's cool, but I also thought that was kind of weird, too. It's like, oh, she's kicking back and relaxing while the ship's about to be... is being surrounded, and there's... Craziness going on. It was kind of, it was cool to see, but at the same time, I also kind of thought that was out of place. like She's I was probably
0: we... like, "Hey, if Kirk gets a memorial, I get my you know evening martini or something." Yeah. <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> I like uh, something that always I remember is, and, it, and for some reason it cracks me up and is fun. Is when when Spock replies to the "We are not interested in your display of force." <laughs> I don't know why it cracks me up, but it's just so <laughs> Spock-like, you know, just totally deadpan, you know, and <laughs> when they they're getting threatened we're not interested in your display of force.
0: He has a lot of that. Nimoy's delivery like that's it. We we're talking about with this the scene say in Kirk's quarters when McCoy's maybe going too far. Yeah, but Spock's continued delivery is so I mean Nimoy's delivery as yeah. Spock is so so absolutely precise and uh exact. And he never it never flirts even a little bit. He's on. He's a machine. It's amazing. He he's, you know. He's always the best performance thing going on in this show for me. Yeah. And this is uh, a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Talk about it since this episode is so full of visuals. What's your favorite visual for me? It's the spacesuits.
2: I'd say that the Tholians. So so different than anything you've you've seen is for uh, the aliens.
1: Uhur's address? Not really. Um, uh, let's see. Um, the things you guys said are, are good Good visual. I don't know that I have anything else that's more iconic than that. I think it's interesting what they did with the effects in here with the, with the Tholian ships. It kept the spirit of them, but of course, you know, seeing them do what they do with the web and all that's very interesting and unique. You mean the new effects? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they handled it well and still looked like, what they need, what you expect it to look like, but just more refined. And oh, they had a good, good who's that guy moment with uh, Scotty. Out of nowhere. I don't know where. I kind of sometimes you oh. don't see it coming, and all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, it's like oh,
2: oh, who's that? There's Scotty, and that's not him. Yeah, I saw that McCoy when he got thrown on the table. Oh
1: yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that
2: guy that looked nothing like McCoy,
0: not the same build or anything. <laughs> What's this episode about?
2: Well, it's not giving up on your crewmates. I mean, they didn't obviously, you know. Being loyal, there's loyalty. Spock's loyalty to Kirk. um, If you ever question it, um, before up into this episode, you shouldn't question. You know, Kirk. I mean, Spock's loyalty to to James Kirk is so unwavering, and um, this episode best exemplifies that because he puts out. You know, he does. He does something illogical to try and save the captain. He actually puts the ship and the crew at risk. Um, and so Spock's, and it's more than loyalty, it's a friendship, it's a family, it's a bond that um, those two characters have that's just unwavering and it doesn't doesn't even matter, I don't even think his Vulcan logic or anything, you know, nothing is more important to him than his captain and his friend, Captain Kirk, and um, I think that comes out in this episode.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's got to be the 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 loyalty and what you do just just to save the one kind of the, like the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. I mean, at least that's what how, what the actions uh, seem to suggest. I think what's interesting here is that this episode. I mean, I think most people would say out of the three we watched is the most iconic, the most visual elements that everyone remembers and they know the Tholian web if they don't know these other ones. But I don't know that the 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 basis of what it's about is as solid as some as you know, some of the others we spoke of in terms of what they're trying to say. I think this gets away with a lot because of all the visuals and the action and, you know, the the canon and all this stuff, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean they're they're trying to escape, you know, they're trying to to save the captain. And really what this episode is about, they're trying to save the captain and escape the web. Um so it's it's hard to like give a um beyond like the, the loyalty factor with, with Spock I, it's kinda hard to say that this episode is trying to give a moral equivalent of of society.
0: This episode did win some awards for its effects. uh, And Mm. it was very, very heavy on effects compared to, especially season three episodes. Right. All right, let's do six degrees for the Tholian web. I believe Adam has two and Steve has one. Is that right? Correct. Steve? This episode, fe- oh yeah, there were no recurring characters. Sorry, the Tholian didn't come back in this episode. <laughs> uh, this episode features the Chapel set during Kirk's memorial service. named the last episode where we saw this set. Probably the only hmm. other episode where we saw this set.
1: Oh right, right, right.
0: It was not a memorial service. It was a wedding.
1: Hmm. Is that the uh, is that
0: Balance of Terror? You are correct. Balance of Terror. All right, Adam. This is for the win. <laughs> Name the two-part Enterprise episode that is a sequel of sorts to this episode.
2: Um. Oh crap. See now, Steve's gonna win. Damn it. <laughs> 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 That's all right. I got two. Um. I don't write. Um. It's not Mirror Mirror. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Go for it, Steve. I could guess, but it'd be wrong. So go ahead.
1: Um. Is it um trying to make me I my prepos- <laughs> prepositions right and so on. Is it uh, in a mirror, darkly? You are correct. Steve edges out the win for the day. All
0: right. Yeah, there's not much uh, news or anything. We're just chucking along here. Season three. I am enjoying watching. Um, I am enjoying watching these episodes because it has been somehow, you know, like I said, longer since I've watched season three than the other seasons. So this has been fun actually, so far. Mm-hmm. Good times. All right, folks. Thank you for spending an hour with us. You can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at TrekCompanion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Thank you again, and until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See you. I passed it.